Bridget, how do you feel about Great Britain? What's your overall thoughts? They're trash people. Wow, really? Well, I'm Irish, right? So um, I gotta, I gotta yeah. say that they enslaved my people. They enslaved your people. You're part Irish. Yes. I went to London on vacation a couple of years ago, and it really opened my eyes to the glories of England. I guess. Like you fell in love with it. I did kind of. I would be really into living there if. Matthew got a job there. I would say, let's go in a heartbeat. When Mike and I first started dating, he had a job offer in London. <laughs> I was like, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I need a change of scene. I would live in London, but I do think that the whole monarchy doesn't make sense. I think they are kind of, in a lot of ways, the originators of like what's wrong with government. Sure. And imperialism. But I did read an article. This is not what we're going to be talking about today, but I did read an article about how this person thought that the death of Queen Elizabeth will probably move the monarchy into a more ceremonial role, like a Scandinavian monarchy, apparently. Oh, you really think See, I I feel like, and I don't know, I've only started reading about the monarchy with the whole Meghan Markle Oprah interview. I tried watching The Crown, lost interest because I was just like, these people are boring and they're terrible. And then the Meghan Markle thing kind of made me start reading more because there's just like blatant racism. It's just like, how does this happen? And in that, it seems like, there's a lot of tension with Prince William. Yes, definitely seems like it. Yeah, it sounds like he's ready to take over. Yes, I think that the firm believes that if Charles were to ascend to the throne, that would be the catalyst to take down the monarchy pretty much. Oh, yeah. That's that's wild. It is. I hope, I mean... I mean, I don't really care either way. I don't have a a horse in the game. We're talking about the other side of English rule and politics. Yeah, baby. I'm Molly, and this is Bridget, and I'm going to be telling her a little story about Margaret Thatcher. And this is Sex with Ghosts. Got about that part. (laughs) Also, this is a two-parter. We're going to start with some quick facts, and then we will go into Thatcher's political downfall. We're going to have a quiz and then we're going to end with a little bit about the Lockerbie bombing and some other scandals of Margaret Thatcher. Some conspiracy, but I feel like we're just going to say this is a very tame conspiracy because it is. It's There's nothing wild on this first episode. I also feel like, and I, I could be way off, please reach us on Twitter or whatever, but I feel like there's a pretty 
strong relationship between the government and the tabloids and the press. So like, for the most part, they're kind of protected by that relationship. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. Um, You'll have to see. Who knows? First fun fact. Quick fact. These are fun quick facts. Quick fun facts. Things that a lot of people didn't know unless you Google fun facts about Margaret Thatcher and then you will come up with this article. The first is that she was born in an apartment above her father's grocery store. And I inserted a picture into our doc because it looked exactly like John's Grocery in Iowa City. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Same reaction. (laughs) The notable thing about this apartment was that it did lack running water, central heating, and an indoor toilet. But when was she born? She had to be born like 1940s, 1930s. You know what? I never even looked that up. That seems like important information to know. 1925. Oh, Jesus. Margaret Hilda Thatcher, or Baroness Thatcher, was born on October 13th of 1925. And the queen outlived her. Indeed. That means she was there during World War II. Oh, yeah. You know what? I did read something that said her and the queen were pretty much the same age. So should have made the connection. The queens had better health care. Indeed. Before entering politics, Thatcher worked as a food scientist and was part of the team that developed soft serve ice cream. That's bananas. It is pretty bananas. Quite a difference between food scientist and prime minister. Especially then, I feel like a lot of the food that we now know is bad for us is because of like long-term studies, but a lot of that food was also developed in the early to mid-1900s. So it's like not only... Yeah. Is she the reason why you don't have unions or great health care? She's also the reason why you're fat and have cancer. Mostly the soft serve ice cream involved a process that whipped air into the ice cream. In case we have any UK listeners, the brand across Great Britain is Mr. Whippy. Woo. After marrying wealthy divorced businessman Dennis Thatcher, Margaret gave up her scientific career to study law. And after the couple had their twins, Mark and Carol, in 1953, Thatcher became a barrister specializing in tax law. So is a barrister like a judge or is that like a lawyer? Judge, I think, but I went down a rabbit hole on Great British Bake Off, completely separate. But one of the guys was studying law and he was training to become a barrister. So I'm not sure if that means, you know what? It's probably just best to look it up. It is a lawyer. Okay. (laughs) Why do they call it barrister? Who knows? Anyway, she was barrister. She did lose twice before winning a seat to the House of Commons. The first two times she was running in the working class district of Dartford. But once she ran in the staunchly conservative district of Finchley, that is when she won. You have to have residency, though, in the district that you're running in. I think so. This was over eight years or so, eight or nine years. I I imagine that she probably just moved. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she had no problem. It sounds like probably financially she's doing really well if she's technically a lawyer and her husband's probably a guy. I'm sure it was no problem say, honey, I I need to win. Can we just move? They do explicitly describe him as wealthy she only has twins all right so like as far as we know she's only had sex once that's fair so 
And she was like, I'm leaving. He was like, finally, get out of here. You don't even put out. Fun fact, she was quoted as saying, there will not be a woman prime minister in my lifetime. The male population is too prejudiced. That's fair. Yeah, I think so too. We don't even have a fucking woman president. <laughs> I know. And that was 1970, which was 50 years ago. Holy yeah. crap. A whole lifetime. Wow. This is a sad one. Sir Lawrence Olivier was partially responsible for her rise to power. Is that sad because you're like a staunch <laughs> Sir Lawrence Olivier fan? No, it's just interesting. I wonder if he would ever consider that point. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't care. Because it was a chance encounter with Thatcher advisor Gordon Reese, where Olivier recommended his voice code for Thatcher. And according to History.com, she underwent intensive training with a coach to lower her bitch and perfect a calm authoritative tone that's real science yeah with women in politics i've heard numerous articles the things that women have to do once they go into politics to be taken seriously and a huge one is dropping the pitch of their voice for all i know sorry unrelated sir lawrence olivier could be a raging conservative who knows i mean no one likes to pay taxes right that is fair. She was the longest serving prime minister of the 20th century. She was prime minister for almost 12 years, and this was over three terms of conservative party winning elections. That's wild. That's a long time. It is quite a long time. I am glad we do not have president for 12 years. That'd be just way too much. Yeah, but we have senators for 12 years or more. <laughs> And that is a ridiculous, ridiculous notion that it is one of those very obvious ones where the majority of the population of the United States is for term limits. And and yet, 0% of the politicians are for it. Well, and they pretend to be for it. A lot of them run on like, oh, yeah, I think I, I will use this. Yeah, that's true. Some of them probably are legitimately for it, but they're not using their limited power or and or they don't feel like they is enough. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, just from what I've been hearing about AOC, for instance, the power that you have in these house of governments is kind of based on money and seniority and if you're trying to make a difference say like an AOC type you're going to be like very limited in the beginning and so it may feel like you have to do two or three terms before you're doing legitimate work yeah which is nuts because then that's how they get the progressives to play their long con she did narrowly escape an IRA assassination attempt in 1984 that's wild Yes, a bomb was planted in her suite, but the blast went off when she was in an adjoining room. Very lucky. Yes, the bomb did kill five other people. And although her advisors tried to get her to leave, she ended up giving her speech hours later to show, quote, not only has this attack failed, but that all attempts to destroy democracy by terrorism will fail. The IRA was problematic for a reason, but I think their foundational idea was to gain democracy. <laughs> sure, sure. There was that plot line in Falcon and Winter Soldier this year, and I did enjoy it. It was good. What's Falcon and Winter Soldier? The Marvel TV. We just watched The Crying Game, so it's kind of like adjacent to that. <laughs> yeah, in my younger years, I might have had more sympathy, but killing five other people... 
is um, unacceptable collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. What is what is the price for oppression, you know? Yeah, it's true. And finally, last fun fact, Margaret Thatcher Day is celebrated in the Falkland Islands on January 10th to commemorate the anniversary of her visit to the colony after Britain retook the islands from Argentina, who invaded two months earlier in 1982. Didn't we talk about that on another episode? Why do I feel like we talked about it? I think we were talking about different islands, weren't we? I know. Now I'm like, what the fuck topics have we talked about? <laughs> I think you're maybe thinking about the ones that were the the Norse ones, maybe? No. No, because I remember. Maybe we did talk about it. I don't remember. Hold on. Let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Damn. Maybe we didn't. But I, I feel like I remember having a... Uh, Oh, wait. I thought I feel like I remember having an in-depth conversation about imperialism and these islands because that wouldn't be surprising to me in any way. I fuck. This is insane. I'm having like a very bizarre deja vu, but I feel like that's blowing my mind. Okay. I don't know what the heck I'm talking then because mean yeah british colonialism that's bad that's insane i feel like it just uh anyway (laughs) margaret thatcher came to power so to speak in 1975 with the conservative party leadership because her male competitors didn't want to challenged the then leader Edward Heath. But since Margaret Thatcher was her own woman, she didn't follow the old boys club, which is going to be a major theme in the whole episode. And because her male competitors didn't want to challenge him, but this old leader needed to go, then she won the leadership. I'm not sure how much you know about how the government works in Great Britain the parties elect a leader and then the people elect the party and so they don't elect the leader the prime minister is chosen by the parties oh that's interesting one good thing that we'll notice later is that then the parties can kind of change their leader more frequently internally which unlike in the united states where we have this one big figurehead people and then they have all of the power to make everything else happen in the political wheels in Great Britain. The head of the party doesn't even have all that much power. That's better. Yeah, I think so. But it feels weird that there's like that intermediate, there's someone, in a go-between I don't know. Democracy is so fucked. (laughs) No matter where you're at. It's very complicated. If you have ever seen the movie League of Gentlemen, one explanation was it tells the story of how Thatcher was one of the political leaders who was tempted to believe that the economy was governed by predictable laws of economics and that her advisors had discovered what they were and that would lead to prosperity. Like, that's what she campaigned on? No, that's what the movie focused on. And so, like, if you were to boil down Margaret Thatcher's, at least economic policies, 
she was pretty convinced that her conservative economic policies would lead to prosperity. Now, didn't she campaign on something similar to Reaganomics? Yeah, definitely. Dismantling social programs and the like. But social inequality did increase under the Thatcher government. So her gamble that it would lead to prosperity failed. Some other crazy things that she supported. Thatcher was proud of her support for Augusto Pinochet, the Chilean dictator installed by the CIA. In addition, Thatcher was an apartheid appeaser in relation to South Africa. Jesus Christ. And stuff. She branded Nelson Mandela and the African National Conference as terrorists. She resisted sanctions against the barbaric regime of P.W. Botha. She worked for the Golden Globes as well? or South Africa stuff is a little bit interesting because Thatcher was kind of on her own island with regard to this in particular. Most of the rest of the Commonwealth, and not to mention the world, was trying to force South Africa's hand with these sanctions. But if England wasn't into it, then that takes it down a peg. And so it was an issue. Is that because they used to be like a colony of England? I'm not quite sure. It said that she had hosted this dictator in England multiple times. I'm not really sure what other reason she would have to support apartheid. Yeah, I was thinking since South Africa was originally a colony of England. So I'm wondering if they had some sort of beneficial economic tie. So like the dictator saying this is what I want and we'll still give you what you want. Then then that's not a problem for England. You know, like, okay, whatever racial injustices you're country is having we bear no responsibility as long as we're getting whatever it is that we need from you sure yeah it seems like it may be that simple but here are some of the war crimes that the Botha regime committed they bombed an ANC office in London oh the African National Conference yeah they assassinated anti-apartheid Activist Ruth Hurst. They may have been involved in the murder of WPC Von Fletcher. We could go on. Lots of assassinations. The last one is the destruction of Pan Am Flight 103 in 1988. And that will come up a little bit later as part of a conspiracy that's a little bit interesting and we'll have to see if it seems likely or not throughout the 80s thatcher dominated politics you know the other things that she did was she humbled miners she toughened trade union laws and sold off state industries and council properties when you look up thatcher conspiracies the main thing that you find is this conspiracy to get her out of office. So it's not quite the conspiracy in the sense of like aliens or something. It's more just there were people plotting to get her out of office. Not her eating babies. Right, exactly. With the lizard people. 
at the time it was still a pretty big story because obviously she had been in office or she was a leader since 1975 prime minister since 1979 so then in 89 she's been in office 10 years an obscure conservative mp named anthony meyer ran against her and he was widely seen as just a stalking horse who was running in hopes that someone more famous would jump in a little bit later on because by the 1990s margaret thatcher was incredibly unpopular disliked isolated and out of touch stalking horse like a british phrase I don't know. I would have to imagine. Yeah, for the listener, it's spelled like you're being stalked, like the the verb, not like stalking. Yes. <laughs> like the um, noun, I suppose. Apparently, it was a Los Angeles pub, English pub, but it is temporarily closed. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's opening on tomorrow. Go to the stocking horse, eat some British food and drink some British beer. Eat some scotch eggs. So it's derived from the practice of hunting, particularly wild fowl. What hunters notice how many birds would flee immediately on the approach of humans, but would tolerate the close presence of animals such as horses. Oh, that makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So then this MP then was just like running against her to like just sort of juice things up. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. So especially when it's something like this, it does feel like a little bit about the beginnings of a conspiracy, quote unquote, because it obviously has a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. And so she's in office into the 90s. Yep. So this is like, Another argument as to why we need term limitations globally. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I think that there is, I mean, they got her out of office, so it wasn't completely impossible. Some of her later most unpopular policies, which kind of nailed the coffin, so to speak, were her anti-European stance, because this was when the European Union was kind of coming together. There was a lot of talk about the euro, and she was completely against any sort of European, it seemed like, European cooperation. Um, Also tying the pound to any sort of European money was also very, she was very anti that. But another uh, more close to home policy, which was deeply unpopular, was uh, her flagship policy, which required everyone to pay a community charge or poll tax of the same sum, no matter how rich or poor, to fund local council services. Oh, like the state of Illinois. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. So things aren't good in, at least in public opinion. She had a deputy prime minister named Sir Jeffrey Howe. He was widely seen as kind of a weak person who Thatcher just kind of walked all over and he did her bidding. 
but he was very pro European Union, and so he couldn't deal with her European policy anymore. So he re- resigned very publicly and stunned people with his resignation speech because it was a lot more forceful than they had ever seen out of this guy. And also, oftentimes, when politicians retire, they try to make nice, nice speeches. But Sir Jeffrey called Thatcher's European policy a nightmare image of a continent teeming with ill-intentioned people scheming to extinguish democracy and likened working with Thatcher to being on a cricket team whose bets had been broken by the team captain. And that was a direct clap back to a speech that Thatcher had just given herself where she boasted of her political prowess using cricketing metaphors. Cricketing is a very upper-class sport in the UK, so it is seen as another out-of-touch kind of statement of hers. He's using her own metaphors against her? Yeah. (laughs) I think this was televised or whatever, so most of the country saw it, and it was definitely a lot of people point to the beginning of the end for her. And the reason why... They needed to get her out was because her presence was pretty much choking up the system of the conservative party because with her at the top there could be no advancement of any other people in the conservative party and not only that but she was also a rude obnoxious and ungenerous person she wasn't making any friends while she was doing any of this either She did achieve love and loyalty of her immediate staff, but insulted and antagonized those who worked with her. So the people she worked for her, she was okay with. But if you were working with her, then she considered you competition and you were to be squashed. Interesting. I feel like that's just like being British. Like, where do you draw that line? A former minister, Michael Heseltine, ended up challenging Thatcher in 1990, but fell short of the required 15% win margin to take over leadership. However, since he did win, what happens is they go to another ballot. So her cabinet ministers, they counseled her. Up until like the very last second, Thatcher wanted to stand. She wanted to have the second ballot. But her counselors told her that she couldn't beat Heseltine in the second ballot. And if she withdrew now, a Thatcher-friendly replacement would have a chance. And so that's what ultimately convinced her to withdraw. With her withdrawal, avoiding the second ballot, John Major ascended to the leadership of the conservative party he was a thatcher friendly conservative and definitely seemed like a lot of plotting was going on at the time one fun fact was that her resignation was actually foreshadowed the weekend before it happened on november 18th of 1990 by the political drama house of cards where the fictional conservative MP Francis Urquhart is at his desk looking at a framed photo of Margaret Thatcher and says nothing lasts forever and reveals that Thatcher has resigned in the House of Cards universe. 
That was fun. Wow. Yeah. The writers must have had a heyday with that one. Indeed. And now it's time for a quiz. Ooh. This quiz is called You Called Me What? Female version. Thanks, Oracle and Trainer Stone One. I'm going to read the questions to Bridget. One, the most dangerous woman in Europe. You have choices. Betsy Ross, Elizabeth the Queen Mother, or Elizabeth II? Elizabeth the Queen Mother. Yes, you are correct. The Iron Lady of Israeli politics. Ivanka Trump, Golda Meir, or Nikita Khrushchev? Uh, what were the last two again? Golda Meir and Nikita Khrushchev. I would say Golda. Good job. Yes, correct. That was a blind guess. <laughs> Very nice. The Iron Butterfly. We have Ava Peron, Imelda Marcos, or Angela Merkel. Iron Butterfly. I'm guessing Ava Peron. No, that is Imelda Marcos. Evita, or Santa Evita, or Saint Evita. Ava Peron. Yeah. Ava Marie Saint, or Ava Longoria. That is... Ava Perone. Yes, indeed. She has two nicknames. Iron Lady, Attila the Hen, and Milk Snatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Yes, very good. La Chibad, an old word for lesbian. La Messaline Royale, Madame Deficit, and the list goes on and on. And this is Empress Josephine, Charlotte Bronte, or Marie Antoinette. Okay, give me the... The names again of the nicknames? La Tribad, which is an old word for lesbian. La Messaline Royale and Madame Deficit. Marie Antoinette? Correct. It was the Deficit then. Yes. I was like, okay, I don't think that happened when Josephine was Empress and I don't know the middle one. <laughs> That's a good point. The Virgin Queen. We have... Elizabeth II, Elizabeth I, or Mary, Queen of Scots? Elizabeth I? Yes, you're correct. It is Elizabeth I who was the Virgin Queen. The mother of modern physics, or Manya. The choices are Marie Klodowska Curry. Is that three names? Yes. No, that's uh, one person. Three names for one person. Yes. So it's actually just Marie Curry. Yes. It's probably how she's more commonly known who also discovered radiation, I think. Yes, yes. So I feel like it's probably her, but what are the other two? Diane Fossey and Carol O'Connor. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Marie Curry. Yes, that is correct. I feel like they added the mill name just to fuck with you. I forgot to mention before that Thatcher's nicknames Milk Snatcher came because she was the Secretary of State for Education and Science, and she abolished universal free school milk for school children aged 7 to 10, which was understandably deeply unpopular. That bitch. Milk time is like the best part of the day when you're in elementary school. I don't even think I was a big milk drinker, but it just meant like it was a time of day where... You wouldn't have to learn something. You spent time just like drinking milk. It was like the chill time of the day. She took it away. And that bitch took it away. She is terrible. Not great. The Iron Lady nickname was given to her by Soviet propaganda outlet, Krasnaya Zvezda. 
According to the Washington Post, the nickname appeared to be fabricated based on rumors that some Brits had called Thatcher an Iron Maiden, which is, of course, a medieval torture device. So those are the origins of the nickname. When was the Iron Maiden a band? I wonder if that's why she wasn't called that. Maybe. And I guess a maiden would imply she's not married, right? Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, but in translation, perhaps they really were trying to say, because Iron Maiden, Iron Lady, that's really funny. (laughs) Apparently, Iron Maiden formed in 1975, so it would have been right around that time. Yeah, so you couldn't call her the Iron Maiden. It just would have been way too confusing. Yeah, that would have been super confusing. They formed in London, so yeah, too much. All right, here's a fun conspiracy. And I say fun, it wasn't fun because it was the 1988 Lockerbie bombing, which killed 270 people. Oh, wow. And this came out many years later. This was in 2010 when Muammar Gaddafi alleged that Thatcher and Reagan had been behind the bombings. What happened was they had pinned it on or the person responsible either way was abdel basit ali muhammad al megrahi and he said his indictment was based on unfounded evidence in an attempt to weaken the libyan revolution he's a patsy presumably on december 28th 1988 seven days after the lockerbie bombing there was Still no evidence pointing to Libyan culpability. But as one of his last Axis presidency, Ronald Reagan extended sanctions against Libya and threatened new bombing raids. And in this joint U.S. and U.K. investigation, they soon, quote unquote, found evidence pointing to Libya for the sabotage of Pan Am Flight 103. But according to author and journalist Ian Ferguson, it was a case of reverse engineering where Libya had been fitted for the crime and the evidence was not sufficient in many people's eyes. There is a 2009 documentary called Lockerbie Revisited where they kind of talk about this. Sounds very familiar, like a little thing called... 9-11. But in a kind of similar way to everything else in this story, we can't just take Muammar Gaddafi's word for it because he was a populist, authoritarian Arab nationalist who had many, many human rights abuses to his record. I did a little bit of a dive into Gaddafi just get the basics. And and they say that during the first decade of Gaddafi's leadership, life for most Libyans did change for the better. However, as life continued, his human rights abuses, his authoritarian tendencies, they all came out. And by the time he died, most people considered him a dictator and a terrorist, really. And he's not... uh... A CIA plant or something like a lot of these dictators of the time. No, because he considered himself a socialist. A lot of his beliefs stemmed around socialism. 
And so that's why a lot of the, presumably in 1988 especially, the UK and the US would be so keen to pin Libya on this bombing. Because of his socialism? Yeah. So wild. Here are some other fun things about Margaret Thatcher. The Queen was not a fan of Margaret Thatcher. But it was also said that Margaret Thatcher was not a fan of the Queen. Cat fight. Yeah. The Queen only referred to the PM as that woman. (laughs) She also made jokes behind her back and mocked her accent. Apparently, the Queen does a lot of mimicry. And so she did not like Margaret Thatcher and thought she sounded like a pompous asshole. That's my... uh, Your read on the situation? Yeah. That's funny. I can't imagine... And you hear these stories about the Queen, but like when you see her, she's like so old. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to imagine her as like really making anyone feel bad or... I know, it's pretty crazy, but... We give old women too much credence. Yeah, I think so. Um, Like Margaret Thatcher in 1992 when she signed on as an international consultant for Philip Morris. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes. She was paid uh, half a million dollars annually U.S. What does that even mean? Is she like a brand ambassador? What does an international consultant do for Philip Morris? Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is very sketchy. She did not get paid the half a million dollars directly. Only half of it was paid to her directly and half was paid to the Margaret Thatcher Foundation. She's getting paid to like leave cigarettes in high school bathrooms. Who knows? The Independent reported that Philip Morris was the one who paid for a 70th birthday bash for Mrs. Thatcher on October 23rd of 1995 in Washington, D.C., 800 guests attended, and the estimated cost was $1 million. That's wild, man. Yes, it's pretty wild. Another kind of scandal, perhaps, was her exploitation of a tax loophole. In 2002, there was a magazine article entitled how rich people are costing Britons millions of in lost tax by not registering their houses in their own names. And this was The Guardian. Interesting. Yes. They reported that Thatcher's home in Chester Square was registered as owned by Bakeland Properties LTD. And it was acquired in 1991 and Thatcher had it on a 64-year lease. And because... This house was owned by Bakeland Property, which was held by two individuals who were the Thatcher family financial advisors. Then she didn't have to pay the large taxes that other normal people would have to pay. You mean this rich politician found a way not to pay property tax? This is shocking. Indeed. Another tax she avoided by doing this was £100,000 stamp duty and £900,000 inheritance tax. Wait, what? Sorry, can you say it again? Yes. Besides skipping out on property tax, 
she has potentially avoided at least a hundred thousand pounds in stamp duty and nine hundred thousand pounds in inheritance tax. What is stamp duty? It's like a uh, let's look oh, it I can up. look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a property related tax. Yeah. Okay. A physical revenue stamp had to be attached or impressed upon a document to show the stamp duty had paid more than the document. Oh, paid before the document was legally effective. Oh, I think it's for when the house transfers ownership. And this house was estimated to be worth at least 2.5 million pounds. So it wasn't a cheap house either. And the article claims that the exploitation allows the wealthiest individuals to enjoy the country's choicest properties virtually tax-free. And what's nuts is like, these super wealthy people can afford the tax. Them not paying it is just like, that just shows how deep their greed is. Literally... You could afford to pay that tax, but you found a way not to, so you're just not going to do it, and therefore increasing the wage gap between the richest people and the poorest people. And the tax, the whole point of the tax is to go back and help the community, and so we're just like getting shit on by these sociopaths all the time. And Margaret Thatcher was like running the whole racket, or running her own racket. Here's another conspiracy, which didn't happen until about 2003, and that's when her husband, Dennis, died. So many articles mention that Thatcher's mental capacity was declining that year. She started sundowning? Yeah. And so when people talk about this conspiracy, they may think that that played a role in it. But this is all from unpublished memoirs of former SAS officer Simon Mann. And he claims that Thatcher approved the failed coup attempt of an army of mercenaries led by her son to overthrow the president, who was a dictator, Teodoro Obiang, in Equatorial Guinea. And they were attempting to install the an opposition politician Severo Moto, who was exiled. And so Sir Mark, her son, was convicted in a South African court for his involvement in the 2004. And while he was kind of setting this up, Thatcher gave her blessing for this overthrowing and definitely supported it wholeheartedly. Simon Mann was a financial backer of this coup, and he was also convicted of the attempted coup. And so he spent a lot of time in jail. And the reason Mann was coming out at this point was because he said he could never forgive Sir Mark for claiming Mann was a key participant rather than an investor and just kind of leaving him in jail pretty much. Wow. Cold hearted. Yes, but I imagine that had a lot to do. Well, no, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. <laughs> but besides approving this failed coup attempt, she also encouraged Simon Mann to talk to a group seeking to overthrow Hugo Chavez. So she was very into coups in her last years of her life. I mean, 
You might as well go out with a bang. I, I suppose. She's like, I still got it. I'm affecting global politics. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounded like that a little bit. Once you've had the taste of overthrowing a government, you know, it's like nothing can replace it for overthrowing more governments. Here are some of the words that man quotes her as saying. She had told him allegedly, I'm sure it's going to work, and said when she was encouraging man to talk to the uh, people who were trying to overthrow Hugo Chavez, she said, we must always look out for our friends, Simon, as I'm sure you know. Seems a little bit ominous. Sir Mark was also involved in some other bad thing. Not surprising. He was doing a race through the desert and got lost in the Sahara when required a giant search party of the Algerian police. And it resulted in him being found, but Margaret Thatcher did end up paying the Algerian state herself because she did not want to be seen as using taxpayer money to search for her son who got lost in the desert. When did that happen? This was in 1982. Jesus. No, 1980. Trump would have just used American taxpayer money. Yeah, yeah. Things, I guess things change. But although Margaret Thatcher did write those checks, her son also ended up skipping out on some of his bills after he was rescued in the Algerian (laughs) desert. One known bill he skipped on him was 11,500 Algerian dinar, which was about $150. Supposedly a third of it was drinks and him and his father left without paying, which caused a little bit of a ruckus with the Algerian and UK national I mean, that's relationship. Nuts. Can you imagine like being the waiter? Like, yeah, sir, yeah. sir, you, you got to pay your bill. And he pulls this like Reese Witherspoon shit, like what you got her DUI. And he's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> like, no, I just need you to pay your bill, please. <laughs> I did not find any conspiracies about her husband at all. That Dennis? was the, the worst that I saw of him. Dennis, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting that she became so involved in politics of that time like what what the fuck was her husband doing he did have a newspaper column where he would write as the husband of the prime minister but in a weird like way where it was like it was supposed to be fake but it was actually him kind of crazy he was a english businessman as the first passage says I need you to run 4 p.m. so I can stop paying taxes. Can you do that for me and the family, please? But she was also very ambitious herself. She really did want the power, and she would do anything to take it. Yeah. Well, good for her. So funny. It's so funny that, like, they're so conservative, and her son's, like, this huge asshole. It's just like a theme we keep saying over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. There was also an Al Yamama arms deal 
which led to questions regarding him benefiting from his mother's position. Oh, so like when he was lost in the desert, he would have been like approximately around 30 years old. Yeah, it looks like it. I knew she didn't get involved in politics till after her kids were born because I believe she referenced that like the woman's job is to take care of the kids. But since my kids are grown up, I'm now getting involved in shit. Interesting. It doesn't make sense, but it makes sense in her mind. Yeah. Well, I do think if you are a woman working for the conservatives, there's a lot of compartment compart. I always fuck up this word. Compartmentalize. Why do I say it wrong? Compartmentalizing. Yes, that's it. A lot of that has to happen to deal with all of your hypocritical bullshit. Yeah, you'd really think so. More so than I think on the progressive side. I think it happens on the progressive side too, but sure. Yeah. But way more severe on the conservative side. But yeah, her and Reagan also had a very, very close working relationship. Yeah, they I mean, that's the that's the best argument for these global conspiracies when they're like you know it's a few people at the top and they're doing stuff world worldwide and then someone like thatcher and reagan kind of contemporary of each other it seems sus in some ways but it also seems like that maybe that was just the trend of the time people were tired of the trash unions not taking their trash off the curb and and it was time to bust those unions i don't know yeah yeah that's all i have today i hope it wasn't too dry and boring no we had some fun there was definitely some interesting parts to it but a lot of it was just a little bit like wow she's just a bad person who's <laughs> involved in a lot of shitty things i mean Justifying terrorism and racism because you're friends with a dictator, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in the end, it had to be the money. It will also kind of justifies what we're talking about in part two for a little teaser because part two is about her relationship with a very particular dictator. Would you call him a dictator? That's a good question. I'll get back to you next week. <laughs> uh, where can people find you before then? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. How about you, Bridget? You can find me on the same platforms at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast there at sex with ghost underscore. And we are looking for your feedback on our social media is a link. And I think it should also be in the show notes. If you can fill out that little survey, that'll help us out. There is a section to put your email in. That is so we can do a raffle at the end of the month, each month. We're going to do a raffle at the end of each month to send a thank you for taking the time to do that. And you can rate review us on Apple. And if you really want to support us, we do have a Patreon. That's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.